I used to think success was something you had to be superhuman to achieve. That the successful were different from the rest of us. That you had to be born better than a normal human to achieve anything. But the successful are more similar to you and me than we thought. They're just real people. So I go talk with them. I'm Dakota O'Neill, and this is Real with O'Neill. Hi guys, welcome to Real with O'Neill once again. I'm here today with Sergeant Howard from the Foley High School ROTC program, where he has worked. How long have you worked at Foley High School now? Since 2014. All right. Several years. This man has accomplished a lot in his life. He has been in the Air Force. He has been a security specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, worked for a brief time with Edible Arrangements and started a career in education, where he has received several awards. Uh, outstanding unit with merit, which Many people may not know, but it goes out to a, a few select units a year. A certain small percentage. A certain small percentage, and it's just for outstanding goals in academics, leadership, and physical performance, I believe. Or did they not count physical performance? They did. Okay. But yeah, very very successful man I'm here talking with today. Appreciate that. All right, so would you mind telling us a bit about like your early life, how you grew up? Where you started at? Absolutely. So I'm originally from Sumter, South Carolina. It's a <clears throat> decent-sized town now, uh, located right next to the capital of the state of Columbia. Um, grew up there all my life, uh, well, all 18 years until I joined the Air Force. So I don't come from, you know, any any special background. Uh, n- nothing special about me. Didn't have money. Didn't the usual story. Um, for you know, a young African American boy growing up in the South. It was, uh, well, I guess I can't use the word typical because it's not the same for everywhere, everybody everywhere. But in my experience, um, I was kind of pushed into my life of service. So going to school, uh, my elementary school was, was kind of close to my house, Billwood Elementary School. Um, love it dearly. Um, some of my earliest memories there were not good, but I, I remember my first grade teacher, Miss Shaw, bless, uh, rest her soul. She taught me a lot, uh, and she didn't even know it uh, because she showed me kindness. Um, you know, I had issues like some kids do. I had things going on behind the scenes, um, not not good things, to where I was uh, I was being abused. I know you didn't know that, no, but, I didn't. Um, but so that manifests its, its you know in different ways in, in children. And while I don't think she hundred percent knew what was going on, she knew. She, she saw me and she knew there was a change. She knew um, something was wrong and she saw something in me. So her response was kindness. She didn't ask me questions. She didn't ask me to tell her anything. She didn't ask me to do anything. She just showed me kindness. And my response to that is what I remember the most. Nothing she specifically said or did, just how it made me feel. Right. And I thought, I, I want to make people feel that way when I can. Of course, as a first, second grade unit, you, you kind of feel helpless. You, the world around you is happening to you despite, and you have no power right. to do anything about it. So from there, I got in trouble a lot. Um, you know, if you you know me now, <laughs> right? you can't believe that. No, I, I, you were the one keeping everybody out of trouble, right. not, not the one causing any. Oh my goodness, this is back in the days of corporal punishment where uh, the wooden paddles were in, in play. <laughs> I got a lot of them uh, from the principal. Uh, 
So, uh, and that, that taught me some things too. You know, I, I needed to clean up my act and, you know, act right if I didn't like getting those spankings. Right. But I continued to do the things I didn't want to do and continue to get in trouble. But I'm glad I did because that taught me something too. You know, that, that little bit of pain on my backside keeps me in line today in a, in a way. So I learned things from all those. I don't remember any of my other teachers <laughs> uh, except one, and that was because my art teacher, because she had a terrible tragedy, and I was traumatized um, by that. She got kicked by a horse. Oh, my God. And I don't like horses to this <laughs> uh, But that's the only other teacher I remember. But I do remember kindness and the way I responded to it. So moving on to middle school, I was still going through things, and um, you know nobody knew what was happening. Uh, so I didn't know how uh, how to respond. I didn't know another way. So as I was growing older and seeing more things and learning more things, I started to change my behavior, my response to things. It was initially anger because I was angry inside because right. I didn't have control over what was going on, um, and that's all I wanted. So I lashed out, and you know I initiated things as a way of controlling things, my world. To prove to yourself that you had power. Right, right, because I felt weak um, and, and helpless most of the time. And, you know, I told you, we didn't, I didn't, came from meager means. Right. You know, I didn't have the best clothes, the, the new clothes, I, so I got teased for it. Um, you know, that still happens now. <laughs> but coupled with all the other things going on that people didn't know, uh, my response was what it was. But again, I had a few teachers who saw something, you know, some potential maybe. Uh, I wasn't a total idiot, but, you know, something may have been going on. But I was never asked any direct questions. Right. They, they never, we just didn't do that in the 70s and 80s when I grew up. Right. So now it's different. Now people are aware of things like mental health and, and depression and bullying and exactly. there's websites and organizations, but they didn't have that then. No. That, back then it was boys will be boys. Right. And... So, you know, you went through it, you know, toughen up, rub some dirt on it, and get on out there and play. So, you know, that's what I did. I toughened up, and I fought a lot. You know, I was a little scrawny kid, but I was stronger than I looked. Um, and because of that, I had an advantage. So I started thinking, hmm, that's just physical. I have a brain. You know, I'm, I was a pretty smart kid. Right. Not, I'm not bragging on myself. But I saw the kids around me, the failing classes, I was barely trying and, and making great grades. So I thought, well, I'm a, little, I'm a little sneaky, strong person. They don't know it until I show it. Right. So I just started translating that into mental abilities. You know, well, you, you think I can't? Well, guess what? I can. I can whoop you and be smart about it, too. Right. Um, so don't remember any of the teachers in, in Alice Drive Middle School. Not really. Um, it was kind of a blur. But I did meet my, my best friend, Darius Scott, uh, during my time there. Um, and, and he's still your best friend today? He still is. And, you know, we don't talk a whole lot. Now, we kind of, he went to the Army, and we kind of went separate ways. But anytime we end up in the same place, it's like time stood still. Right. Kind of like that. I should talk to him more. But, um, but he and I were going through things together. But we didn't know it. Because we didn't ask each other questions. So, so whenever you say no one knew what was going on with you, you didn't even talk to your friends or nothing about it. Oh. Nobody. No. Mm. No. Because you know, uh, an, an abuser is it, it tricks you into silence. Right. You know. So that that's what was happening, um, and, and 
So I, I stayed silent until I did. So, you know, that again, it, it made me stronger. You know, it didn't kill me. It, it wasn't the worst thing. I'm not going to go into details. Um, but uh, that it did happen and it shaped who I am. Uh, it made me stronger. I wouldn't recommend it for no. anybody. Right? That's not that you don't have to do that to, to be successful. I'm not saying that at all. And I'm not trying to downplay, you know, it's an ugly thing to do to someone. But it definitely shaped who I am and kind of fortified my mind a little bit. Uh, it made me tough. So um, in my town back then, there wasn't a whole lot of opportunities. Right. Everybody was going to work in factories. Right. Um, and that was pretty much it. You know, it, I wasn't going to be a business owner. I just wasn't in the cars for me. Um, so when I got to high school, uh, when I went to ninth grade, I, my brothers, um, my older brothers, I'm the youngest of five. My brothers joined um, Air Force J. Rotsey. <laughs> J. Rotsey. And they came home in those uniforms. And, and, and Shaw Air Force Base is in my hometown. We had access to it. We used to go and watch air shows and all that. So something I would see. I would see airmen in, in town when we went to town and all that, all the time. Um, and they, they built a neighborhood behind me. It was just full of them. Then I had really got to know a lot about the military. Right. More so from the kids' perspective because I became friends with a lot of dependents. So when they came home in those uniforms and they're practicing drill in the front yard, uh, I jumped in with them and I started learning. And I learned I had a, a propensity for that kind of thing. I, I, it came easy to me. So before I even got to high school, I already knew how to march. I kind of knew how to wear the uniform because they taught me and I wanted to, to, to learn. Always one step ahead. Uh, it, well, <laughs> you have to be. Uh, that's not why I did it. Right. Then, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't fully comprehended that, but I knew looking at my options, the military was going to be one of my priorities for, for a career because uh, I, I loved helping people. Right. And I was doing that from a young age. Uh, some a lot of things I've forgotten. You know, you get around your old friends and they start telling stories about things that I did, and I I can't remember any of it. Um, and it's usually I was helping somebody. Isn't it crazy how that works? How it's the things that we forget that make the biggest impact on other people. Yeah, and I and I I have a theory about that too. Um, Let's hear it. Well, it's because it wasn't me. Um, I'm gonna switch to to my, my my religious hat for for a second. All right. Um, a lot of times, even now, some things I say to people or do for people, um, I don't always. It's not always in the forefront of my mind, but I think God has me do it or say things. And even you know, just recently, somebody said, you know, you said this thing to me, and I, uh, okay, <laughs> I don't remember uh, because it wasn't me. Um, it just used through me. I think that's just how the universe works. But um, but going back to, to that, um, so when, when my brother sh started showing me things and I learned I had natural skills and abilities, I wasn't what people were saying I was. Right. All the bullying things, you know. Some things, everybody has natural skills, abilities, talents. Um, and those are gifts you're given and you're supposed to use them uh, or, or you lose them um, and you suffer for that. So I started to realize I need to use this. I can use this to my advantage. Well, what I already learned, being kind makes people feel good. You're stronger than you think you are. You know, you, you went through some stuff. And you have natural skills and abilities right. that you can use. 
especially your brain, to, to get you into the situation you want. I didn't have huge aspirations for my life. My, my definition of success, if you asked me back then, was just going in the Air Force. Right. And that was it. A way out. That's it. That, that's all it was. So when I, when I what a unique thing happened, they were building a new high school, again, right close to our house um, where, I, where I live. Um, so for my ninth grade, my freshman year, the old high school is where all of us went because the freshman wing wasn't done on the new high school. Okay. So it was just freshmen in my high school. Oh. Imagine that. Oh, no. So I don't want to. Right. Well, <laughs> well, think of it this way. Usually the thing was you, you got picked on by the upperclassmen. Now you're just getting picked there on by no your friends. There was no that no extra, you know, so it, it didn't matter. It, every, you, you're not upper class. What, what are you trying to talk to me before? You, we're all in the ninth grade. So. Right. But what I didn't have was ROTC because that moved to the new high school. So I had to wait an extra year. And you're already in your second year mentally of right. doing it. Well, kind of, <laughs> yeah. I, I, mean, I was chomping at the bit. I, I couldn't wait. So, you know, during my sophomore year, they had half the school lost and didn't know where they were because my I, was, I wasn't a freshman, but I didn't know where I was was going either. The building was brand new to, to half the school. Right. Uh, but I didn't ever get picked on because I was an underclassman, really, because I was already a sophomore kind of thing. That was, that's what we did back then anyway. It's kind of saving grace for it, a it year. It is. It is. It was kind of, kind of unique um, experience. But when I got there, man, I signed up for ROTC, and I, mean, and I just put my heart and soul into it. Basketball was my first love, and I, and, and I was a pretty good uh, runner, so I thought I would do track you know, and play basketball. But my desires changed once I got there and got around that. And the, the environment and the culture that you experienced you know, when you got in there. Right. It's nothing like you, you think you know until you get in it. And then it's a whole different thing. A whole different thing. And then a lot of things are like that. You know, I did football for about three months in middle school. And I had to leave because of the culture, the, the, the favoritism and the, and the like. I thought cliques were bad in normal school. But then you join a sports team and these dudes have been on the same team together since like second grade. Yeah. And you just don't got a place there. It's hard to penetrate um, sometimes. Um, but that's part of the success that, you know, one of those situations... Uh, I'll talk about when we get to it, um, how to, how to overcome that. All right. Um, so got into high school, got an ROTC and I put my all into it. I didn't do any sports. I didn't do anything. I was 100% ROTC. Found my family there, all the friends that I was looking for all my life. Um, Darius was in there with me. Um, what branch was y'all's ROTC? Was it Air Force? Okay. Air Force. Okay. I think you mentioned that already. I'm sorry. No, it's all right. So it was very familiar to me um, because of my brothers and having access to the base. Um, so I said, okay, this is my future. And then I learned you could be an officer and you could get more pay in the real Air Force, right? So I asked my instructor, well, how do you do that? So we have to go to college. I said, okay. Nobody in my family had gone to college at that point. Um, so I said, okay. Well, I need to go to college because I think uh, this I'm going to do it. Right. So you want to get the most out of it. I, I do. I think, how can I influence the most people? Well, you, being an officer. Okay. And I got to go my, to college and be an officer. Right. That wasn't true. I had more, way more influences in enlisted. But, um, so I said, okay, I need to get to college. But I, I have no idea how to get there. Right. 
So I go to my guidance counselor and say, hey, uh, I would like to go to college, but I know I heard my friends talking, the, the college-bound kids, you know who they are, um, saying they had to take certain classes, you know, AP mm-hmm. classes, the smart kid classes, right, to help them get ready. And then the SAT was the standard test that we would take to get into college back then. So I told my counselor, um, I would like to go to college. Will you put me in these advanced classes? And what do you think she said to me? No. No. She discouraged me from doing those classes. She discouraged me from thinking about college. She she directed me to the factories around there. I went through a similar thing, but it wasn't really from the school. It was mainly at home. Mm. Well, it, it's it's a it's a gut punch. It is. Uh, regardless of who it's from, and again, being having brown skin in the south, mm-hmm. um, I have to play the card because that's what happened. It's pretty clear. It's pretty evident. Right, because um, this, similar kids came in and they got the classes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. There was nothing about me that proved that I could not handle the classes. Everything was to the contrary. I was sleeping through classes, waking up at ace and tests. I wasn't paying attention. I was a class clown. I was keeping everybody else from passing, not paying attention, and then I turned around and passed the tests. And it was very frustrating for the teachers um, because I was bored, and I want I didn't want to I didn't need that class. I needed something that I was not challenged. Right. It was not a rigorous enough course of study for me. And then you finally go after what you do need, and they, they tell you no. They say no. They say no, holding me back. It wasn't fair, and I, I'm appalled that. And, and I told this before, and in, in another, I did a, a talk uh, in another place in another time. Uh, but I, I, I shared that with the audience. Um, um, I don't know that my reaction to it now will be: How in the world could you tell a kid they can't do something? When right. they're asking you, when they're telling you, when they're showing potential, how in the world could you do that? Why would you want to do anything other but encourage them? Well, well, there, there was a reason for it. Right, apparently. right. So, I, I once again felt helpless. I, I couldn't make her put me in those classes. There was, I couldn't. There was no workaround, you know. So I didn't know what to do. So, I took the classes I was given, and I really focused hundred percent on enlisting. So at sixteen, I was ready to sign up. And as soon as I turned seventeen, I got my mom to. Emancipate. Signed uh, for the recruiter. And I went on delayed en- uh, enlistment for over a year. We, they don't do that now. Um, but I was ready. Um, I finished my high school career. It was pretty, pretty uneventful. It was all ROTC all the time. I had a great time. Not to blow past it, but, um, you know, a great experience. And, it, and, uh, and I learned everything I could possibly learn during those three years of, of ROTC. And then uh, June 4th. Graduated, got my diploma, and June thirteenth, I was in basic training, <laughs> San Antonio, Texas, uh, and then July seventh, I was in the police academy. I only did two weeks in basic training because we had a program back then where if you had prior military training, either from prior service, Civil Air Patrol, JROTC, um, you could get out of basic training in two weeks. Okay. So I did. Um, so I don't really have the full basic training experience. 
you know, either that everybody has that goofy picture you get that you, mm-hmm. you know, you're embarrassed to show. I don't even have that. I, I want it, but I don't have that. My dad has his and my brothers hanging up next to each other in the living room, and they both look awful. <laughs> I want that picture, you know. They I, look so tired. I didn't have the forethought to do it myself because, you know, I'm not thinking down the road. I'm eight, I'm barely 18. I'm just living the dream now. You know, I had a first and 15th. I had a, more money than I ever had coming in. Right. I had a place to live. I had food to eat. And I, had, I was starting my career in the force. Um that I loved so you know I could have I could have died right there and I would have been just satisfied with life but you didn't no (laughs) I didn't I didn't because I had this thing inside me now I always kept thinking back to things that happened previously and how could I use it to um, get ahead so the one thing that held me back in high school was racism so I thought if I go in the military they have this thing called the Uniform Code of Military Justice. And I learned from my uh, Air Force neighbors that that's against the law in the military. Racism is? Yes. Okay. You cannot discriminate. It's against the law. The Uniform Code of Military Justice, you can't do that. So right. So I'm like, well, well, this kind of levels the playing field a little bit for me. Maybe I can use my own natural ability, you know, on my own merit. Go as far as I want to go or not. It, but it'll be on me right or was I wrong <laughs> <laughs> racism exists in the military too I'm here to tell you I'm not but again I would not have chosen a different path because it's you, you still have a certain level of control over your career to a certain point you know once you start learning um, this, the system and, and how it works um, I'm not going to you know bad I'm not here to bash the military or, or, or anything uh, you go anywhere and you'll find resistance to, to people who are biased in some kind of way. Everybody is. And if you say you're not, you're a liar. Uh, everybody is. You just have to know your biases and don't use them to hurt people. Um, be aware of them. Uh, I, I learned that in my, my master's class. Um, be aware of your biases. Keep them at the forefront of your mind so you don't make decisions from a place of bias. Because that's not kind. Um, be kind first. Okay, I caught you up to the beginning of my career. Where would you like me to go next? All right. Uh, when did you, you said that you uh, joined the military and you wanted to go to college to be an officer. Yeah. Where did you go to college at? Is this when you started college or did you serve and then go to college? So I served, um, I, I kind of, once I got in, you know, I was just happy. I was just filled with joy, you know, getting my career going. I did ask my, uh, my early supervisors, immediate supervisors about college, and they said, you can't go until you get your career development course, your CDC, your, your job training, on-the-job training done. Then we'll talk about that. Right. And then, you you know, as a policeman, we, we go through upgrade training. we got to get qualified on a position, um, commensurate with your rank. So, and you kind of do that simultaneously. While you're doing your CDCs, you, you, you're learning to test for your first job position. Okay. So, uh, that took, uh, about eight months. Um, I tested out early cause I was motivated. I, I didn't need to do, you know, I went way faster than they suggested. Right. Cause I was ready to go. You know, I was, you can't hold me up. You've been ready to go since middle school. It's, it's up to me. Right. So, I, you know, the first time, you know, I, I waited, you know, like you get 30 days per, uh, I didn't need that long, you know? 
So I learned, uh, I kind of sped it up as we went along and got all my qualifications. Okay, now what? Can I, can I no, now you got to do this. Now you got to go to this other training. So it kind of strung along to, I was just like, okay, I just put college on the back burner. I'm making money. I'm doing all right. I'm, you know, life is good. So um, <clears throat> I get through training and, you know, I went to my first duty station, Greece. No college there. So, <laughs> so that, that, and it was only a year. Uh, had a great time. Uh, and my first assignment. And uh, uh, then I, I got sent to Seymour Johnson Air Force Base, Goldsboro, North Carolina. So this is where I learned the most in my Air Force career. Um, okay. I was there for um, nearly seven years. And after, um, you know, I started looking around and deciding who I wanted to pour into my life, you know, and I don't want any idiots. I'll see what you're doing. You're not going to help me. I'll find somebody who is where I want to go and I'll latch on to them. Start picking their brains and, and figuring things out. And they tell me things about people and really like, this is not the it wasn't all all great but it was good information to have so I know I'm going to operate from this place with you I'm going to operate from a different place with this person because I've been given they're feeding me information because I was uh, I was asking I was seeking I was hungry I was motivated and I wasn't lazy I, I was willing to do what I needed to do right to be successful I wasn't trying to get any more than anybody else had I wasn't trying to um, get in front of anybody you're just trying to make sure you took care of yourself. Exactly. Um, but I was, I was, the brakes were put on for me a couple of times because of favoritism, because of clicks, you know, all that that you're talking about right. in sports. It, it happens. Um, but. So that, that happens even in the military. There's little social groups sure. and, and yeah. insider clubs and whatnot. Absolutely. Um, there's favoritism. There's no question. Right. There is. Uh, make no bones about it. But, you know, going in, knowing, if you, as long as you know that. You can play around it. You, you, you have to. I mean, there's nothing you can do. You're not going to force your way into that just. That makes it worse. That makes it worse. Yeah, you're going to be further on the outside. But just know what you're dealing with and operate within your, your limits. Uh, do everything to the best of your ability. So th- this is what I learned when I was at, at my second duty station. You know, make it, position yourself so where they can't tell you no. Okay. Do everything you possibly can to take all the excuses away to where there's nothing left but yes. So anything I ask for, well, have you, yes. Well, have you done it? Yes. Have you, yes. Have you thought about yes? <laughs> so. I'm um, giving you all the yeses. Why can't you give me one? Exactly. You know. So what I did was, um, you know, you can E3 below the zone. Uh, E4 below the zone. You can you can get make senior airmen early. Um. And I had a good supervisor tell me about it. I didn't know. I didn't know about it until they told me. So I said, okay, well, how do I get that? They tell me exactly. What do I need to do? And they told me. Okay, so what's your role, supervisor? This is what you, you're responsible for? Okay, now I'm going to hold you to it. I'm going to make you accountable. You make sure you do it. I'm going to do my part. So, man, I went through it, and the favoritism part kicks in. Certain people, they want to promote. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if I was one of those or not, but they couldn't tell me no because I had everything. Right. And, and I made it. You gave them no option but to no you option. Guess. So I got promoted early to E4. Um, 
and then and anything else I wanted, how do how do I get there? I asked the found the right people. How do I get there? How do I get where you are? How do I get what do I need to do? And you did all okay. of it. And I as much as to the best of my ability, make it hard to say no. Uh, so everything I wanted in my career, I got it. The only times I was told no was because the Air Force said it. The, the regulations or instructions said I couldn't. Right. There's, there's because of, you know, you just got here, you can't leave yet. That was one of the things. I wanted to be a professional military education instructor. But I wasn't at my new base long enough because they pay a lot of money to move you. So they make you stay a certain amount of time before you can move again. Unless you're very, very important. Um, so that was the one time I got told no. But I, I got a yes from the schoolhouse. I got mm -hmm. a yes from everybody else. But then the Air Force said, no, no, you can't do it. Uh, but otherwise, um, I always position myself for success. And I learned that at, at, at Seymour Johnson. Great people around me um, that looked out for me. Uh, they knew I wasn't a slug, you know, and, and you know, I always showed up, my uniform looking good, with a good attitude, rested, and, and ready. You know, and, I, and I did my job right, um, to the best of my ability every night. And I was a likable person. That helps. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. If you're likable, um, you, you fit in. Um, and, and people are willing to, to work with you and then for you as you progress through the ranks. So uh, a lot of fond memories at Seymour Johnson. Um, but then, you know, I... I, I was ready to go, and I couldn't get out of there. And they told me, like, this is a dead-end base. You, once you get here, you never leave. This is where you are. Yeah, it was turning out to be that way. So uh, I had to volunteer to go uh, to South Korea for a year uh, unaccompanied to get out of there. Um, and that was fun. Did time patrol. You know, we our job was to patrol off-base, little area downtown off-base and not on-base. Um, I won't go into all those stories because it's just crazy. <laughs> my dad spent a little time in South Korea and he's told me about it and I know what you mean oh yeah that was party central did you ever go in any of the martial arts exhibitions down there yeah actually um, not in Korea but after that I went to Japan and they uh, the, 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 Jazz, the Japanese Air Self Defense Force police put on a demonstration a little training co-training uh, co where mm -hmm. they got us all together they only did it once but I don't know why I would love to do it you know, as much as I could but they showed us how they take down suspects and handcuff and, you know, hand to hand, you know, and, and we were in there with them. Um, it is cool. Oh, my goodness. There's definitely more martial arts based. They were mm -hmm. really flying over people. <laughs> how in the world? But uh, it was awesome. I wish I could have. Um, no, but the Koreans uh, really didn't do anything like that. Uh, the coolest thing about that place was, uh, you know, Chuck Norris was... Uh, security policeman in the Air Force. No, I didn't know that. He was stationed in Korea, and they have a, a picture of him back then in uniform where he started learning Tung Soo Do, I think it was, um, in Korea. So one of the, his the original pictures is still in there. Oh, that's cool. Uh, where he got to start. Yeah, yeah, he was in the Air Force. So he's a veteran. Yeah, I didn't know that about Chuck. Yeah. yeah. So, um, again, along the way, I'm kind of flashing flashing forward. There was, there was a lot of incidents that... Um, that made an impact on me and kind of impression in my mind uh, about well if I had to do this when I see this situation again ah if this is going to be the outcome what can I do to change that in right. my favor um, and again at seven years at one place uh, a lot goes on especially during kind of my formative years in the military 
with the um, getting what I wanted out of my career again, but but not to the detriment of someone else. There's plenty to go around. Um, I just wanted to make sure that I was, you know, I started having goals. I didn't have any goals coming in. Just, right. Just get in. I'm like, well, okay. Air Force was the goal. That's it. <clears throat> so I stopped doing that very quickly. And even now, uh, I need a career path. I need to see where I can go. Right. Um, you know, and, and not just stagnate. stagnate. Yeah. I'm not 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 too comfortable with that. I'm okay sitting still for a few years, but I. I'm all, I got my eye on the next thing. Enjoy what you have, but never stop asking, how can I make it better? How can I be better? How can I get, you know, how can I make a bigger impact? Um, uh, and that's where I am now. Um, you know, when I was younger, I didn't I didn't have these grand ideas and goals and um, looking through such rose-colored glasses. Um, not not as such a grand scale as I, as I sit here now. Um, because I didn't know how much I could make a change, how much I could make a difference. Right. I didn't understand how, how much one person can do um, and affects so many, that, that ripple effect. I, I didn't understand that until I started maturing and getting older. And, and I started, became a student of people. Um, I'm, I'm an introvert by nature. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> I don't. I'm okay being by myself and just doing things and just kind of learning. You know, I like learning things. Um, I believe you should learn as long as you're alive. You should be learning. Um, so uh, I have to go out of my way to to talk to people and you know, basically doing an interview, kind of like what we're doing, um, and just getting in their heads. And um, as a policeman, you, people kind of have to talk to you right <laughs> usually it's not the greatest moments in their lives no um they don't have to answer your questions they can choose a lawyer and all that but i still talk to them i don't ask them questions about what they did because that's against the law i mean uh, my then then it became my learning i would ask them you know motivations you know if they they can a lot of them confessed to me um a lot because i treated them nice right i didn't treat them like a jerk they could have done the, the most horrible thing it's weird how if you treat people like people, they'll act like people. Uh, don't respond to it. <laughs> right. You know, everybody else is giving me the eye and cussing me out and this and that. But I bring you a glass of water. That's how you doing. You know, can I, can I make you any more comfortable before we get, get going? You know, just treating them with kindness and not, not being nasty. And more often than not, I got full confessions because I treated them kindly. Made them feel and comfortable after, talking to exactly. you. Exactly. So after all the business was done, the pay, you know paperwork is done, and I'm waiting on them to get picked up by their first sergeant, we have a conversation, and I learned a lot about the motivations of people. You know why they, why why did you do this? You know what in your mind, what was going through your mind before you did this, and what's going through your mind now, and kind of tying things together. Where are you from? You know what what's your background? Well, you know I'm I'm interviewing, I'm not learning, so I was a, a student of human nature, and learning people's motivations. And you can predict a lot of outcomes. Based just on who's involved. Yeah, you can. And that's all I do at school every day that, I, that I'm talking to somebody. I ask a few questions, and I can see an outcome. I just, I've done it so often. you know. And you're pretty accurate with your predictions? I'm pretty usually, yeah. I'm, I'm usually pretty accurate because I've studied. I'm an expert. <laughs> an expert on people. I'm a, I'm a lay expert. Yeah, uh, especially on young people. Um, because they don't really know what they want and, uh, or how to articulate it. 
So when they ask me something or tell me something, I'm already seeing, I'm listening, but I already see kind of where it's going to go based on what I know and what they're willing to tell me because everybody's truths are a little different. True. Um, they may or may not be lying to me, but their perception of things um, shapes their thought and how they do or respond to things. Um, and I just offer a different perspective that maybe they hadn't thought of right. based on my experiences from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of you know, people dealing with over 23 years in the Air Force. Um, and, then, and now seven years in, you know, in, in high school. Right. Um, they're people too. And I, I learn as much as I teach. You know, I learn all the time. Um, you know, getting, getting a little bit ahead of myself. But <laughs> So how I became successful is kind of where I was leading to um, in the Air Force uh, was once I formulated where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do, my goal was to do what I'm doing now. Be an educator. Being an ROTC instructor. Oh, okay. That was my goal throughout my career. And I knew to do that. I needed a college degree, uh, and I needed to retire as a senior non-commissioned officer. Um, so I could kind of give back, because I got so much out of the program. So that was my mission. And along the way, hey, do what I do best. You know, help, help somebody out, you know, wherever I could. Show them some kindness, help them out, and, and that will that will make me successful. Right. You know, people will want to work with somebody who is not mean to them, who actually is a benefit, who right. actually is a little efficient with things and, and not an idiot and can actually help, you know, be, be a benefit to your life. But it's also likable. Yes, that helps. A lot. It's to be around somebody you don't like, you know, it's, it's hard. Um, and usually if you don't like somebody, you just maybe you got to get to know them. You do have to spend a little more time around them. And you can tolerate them a little better sometimes. Once you know why they're like the way that they are. Yeah. Ask a few questions. Get a little backstory. Ah, okay. That makes a little more sense yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes it a little bit easier, a little bit more palatable. Um, so, moving on. Um, once I, uh, you know, left Japan and went to, you know, Tucson, Arizona, then um, that's when... Uh, I got promoted to, to Master Sergeant. And it was time to make the change. I'd done um, all I felt I could do within that career field. I was working on classified security stuff. I wasn't just writing tickets for, for our, uh, 18 years that I wore the parade. Uh, it wasn't just writing parking tickets and all that. I did other things. Um, so uh, I felt I had gone as far as I could and I needed the next step. And that was First Sergeant. Um, I met a lot of first sergeants along the way, you know, the job, I liken it to being a social worker. You know, you, you're all things to all people. You connect to them with resources. You need this, hey, to go here. You need a help, you need a, you need some help moving, hey, I, I, I'll come help you move. All Just right. had a baby, yay, you have death in the family, uh-oh, cry on my shoulder. Um, I'll grieve with you. Um, you know, all those things, which is, that's my whole personality, that's my whole being, that's why I exist. Um, is just to, to be of service, to, to help people like the kindness that was shown to me by my first grade teacher and the way it made me feel. I like making people feel that way. So um, becoming a first sergeant was uh, the best thing. I did that for five years um, and to, to the detriment of my career. So the way it is, is you know, it's a special duty assignment. They want you to do it for three years and then go back into your career field. 
Okay. And there's a higher potential of you getting promoted once if, you do that. Okay. Once you go back. Right. So but you didn't go back. I didn't go back. Uh, I chose to stay because I was happy doing what I was doing. And so I retired as a master sergeant. When probably could have made senior master sergeant. Could have made E8. And maybe, maybe, maybe even E9. Uh, but I chose to help people for the rest of my career. Uh, and I don't regret it. Sure, it would have been more money in retirement. You know, that that would have been awesome. Right. But what, what, is, what is that? You know, you, you can't take that with you. Right. But what I can leave is a legacy of who I am, you know, of being a kind person, being a helpful person, being a benefit to the world and not a bloodsucker right. from the world. You know, money isn't everything. It's, you need it. It's a tool. You know, you, you need it to survive. But that can't be your motivation for everything. It just it just can't uh, because you're gonna end up lonely. I think um, if you fall in love with that too much. So after I retired, um, uh, I needed to do something. I thought I was gonna move back to South Carolina. Right. Uh, I, actually, I did, um, and uh, that's where I landed the job at Edible Arrangements. <laughs> <laughs> One thing about you know, I, I was looking for work, you know, as I was I'm on terminal leave, I, I chilled out for a month and then I said, okay, and I need to start looking for employment. Um, so I went to, uh, I don't know, three or four uh, veteran job fairs, only veterans there. Yeah. They are no different than any other job fair. <laughs> These companies are not trying to hire, they, they, you don't get any special consideration. That is a fallacy. Um, you don't get any special love because you're a veteran. The right. only difference is, it's just all veterans getting denied. Um, <laughs> you, you still have to be qualified, you know, just like everybody else. It's just they don't, you know, they held this job there just for you. They probably held one just like it for everybody else in a week right. for those same jobs. So um, it was just them getting more people to show out. It's it just uh, I think it was just for show. Mm-hmm. These companies, so they can just put their little Good sticker publicity. on the website saying, "Hey, we're we're vet friendly." Yeah. Well, it's bad for business if you're not. So of course, everybody's right. gonna say that. It's kind of like gay pride nowadays. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Trying to open up a whole other can. <laughs> well, I mean, every every month, every year on Pride Month, it's all oh yeah, yeah rainbows yeah. everywhere, yeah, everywhere. Yeah. And then first day of the next month, and nothing, nothing, nothing. Yeah, the flavor of the month, for real. Um, so anyway, I uh, I moved back to South Carolina. I moved back in with my mother while I was you know looking for a house and, and everything. And there was a job delivering edible arrangements, seasonal job, you know. Um, so I called and said, you know, I can do this job. So they hired me. And I'm <laughs> delivering, you know, expensive fruit all over, all over town. Um, and I worked it just like every other job. Full oh, enthusiasm. By the way, I've always, always had two jobs um, my whole working, working life until I could not. Until, as a first sergeant, you could not have a second job. They would not allow you. Because you, you're you're on 24-7, you know. So right. When do you have time to work another job kind of thing. So I always worked two jobs. And, you know, my kids saw saw that, how hard I worked, and, you know, being a provider, you know. Um, because I, as an example, uh, to them, plus that's just how I was. So when I, I got this job, you know, I'm I'm working it. You know, I'm I'm getting deliveries out and I'm coming back faster than everybody else. I'm I'm 
I'm pretty I'm a pretty bad rate buster because those guys weren't trying to the work like they should have but I'm showing what was possible I can speak on that my dad used to get edible arrangements every once in a while and sometimes they'd come in and still be edible <laughs> <laughs> they're pretty you know oh yeah they're real pretty and expensive but you know I put my all into that job like I did everything else uh, so um, at the end of the term for this temporary job the owner said you know I've I like the way you work. I've been watching you. I've been looking for an area manager. So what's that? I thought it was, you know, store. He's like, no, he owns um, five stores. Okay. Uh, in South Carolina, and he needed somebody to manage it, kind of like a district. Right. Kind of, they call them area managers. I said, really? Okay. He's like, yeah, and I'm about to open a sixth. Would you be interested? I said, well, let's sit down and talk, you know. He said, okay, um, will you, you know, give me a resume and, um, you know, we'll go and we'll, we'll, we'll take a couple of days and we'll come back together. I said, sure, no problem. He said, until then, will you keep working? Uh, yeah. Of course. Me, sure. Yeah. So I did, and it was just to keep me kind of close. He did that on purpose, I know, but that's cool. Um, so we come together and, uh, you know, he liked he liked my history. You know what all I've done, and you know all the people I was responsible for, and all the work I'd done. Um, so uh, he wanted to offer me a job. He offered me more money than I, I thought he would, plus you know expense account. Um, you know, the money wasn't an issue. Right. So I took the job. I was like, okay, you know, retail management was not one of my dreams. Right. Um, but I, I took it. And I went, well, you know, it'll pay the bills. You know, if I, if I like it, it's great. You know, it'll it'll be awesome. So uh, I jumped in his pocket, and everywhere he went, I went. And he went a lot <laughs> to a lot of places. Seven days a week. Oh. Fourteen hours a day. You know, oh. 12, 13, Fourteen hours. And I said, uh, when do you take a vacation? <laughs> he said I haven't had a vacation because I haven't had somebody that I could trust to to do this uh, he said the last time I, I had time off was when uh, I nearly had a heart attack from working so hard oh that was your that was his last vacation jeez I said uh okay so what's your vision for me uh you you want me Working seven days a week, fourteen hours a day. Right. You know, you know, one store is like four and a half hours away, just driving. Right. And I have to visit all the stores, you know, a couple times a month, you know, and then come back, and, you know. So I took the challenge, you know. He, he made me hiring manager, you know, real kind of quickly. I'm doing interviews and I'm hiring college kids, and you know, who don't have the greatest work ethic. No. They want to show up to work high, or they call out because they don't feel like going to work and so I end up working on the line you know somebody's got to do it I can't get anybody to come to work we got these orders you know kind of so I'm seeing this and I'm not loving it mm -mm. Uh, so uh, you know I, it's like it's, it's impossible to be in two places at once so I got this one problem you know I'm, I'm hiring people to, well, they're to not keep, working. but they're not working out or they're just not coming 
Right. Because he, he doesn't want to pay him but $7 or $7.50 or whatever. Nobody wants to work for that. Um, so I can't, I can't. You want the, either this fails or I'm here. So uh, it didn't work out. We, we After four months of working seven days a week, you know. 14 hours a day. 14 hours a day. Like, look, uh, like this, this is not working. People just aren't um, meant to work like that. Yeah. That heart attack should have been his wake-up call. Yeah. It, it just wasn't working out for, for both of us. Because the way I want to work, I can't. I can't see a problem and just leave it, right? Uh, just to go somewhere else. I'm I'm constantly putting buyers out, um, you know, getting calls from across the state, getting cussed out because their strawberries weren't fresh. Mm. Well, I have no idea what. I think, uh, I'm I'm three hours away. I have no idea about your strawberries, man. But you know what? And, and a lot of the scams and people, they bring back empty buckets with sticks and want a refund. And it's like you know what this this is. This is ridiculous. I say I'm not giving you a refund. You're a liar. You, I'm thinking this. I didn't say that to their face. Uh, not at first, anyway. Right. Uh, I want to talk to the manager. I'm the manager. Well, I want to talk to you, the store manager. I manage the store. Well, I want to talk to hiring you. That's me too. <laughs> all these stores. Well, I want to talk to the owner. Okay, here's his number. And then you'll call me back like, Daryl, just give him free strawberries. This is coming out of your bottom line. No, no wonder you you can't just you can't operate this way. The customer is not always right. No. Sometimes the customer is a straight up jerk. <laughs> right. And they need to know that. And I started telling them that. So that was, uh, I knew my days were numbered. Um, just being honest, like you, you, you can't feel good knowing that you're cheating somebody out of their hard earned money. Right. You know, you, how do you do that? I just, I don't know. I'm a rule follower. I, I just can't do it. And I don't like when other people do it, taking advantage. So, uh, this was coming to an end, and, and you know, my wife said, "Look, why don't you look into?" And I did look into ROTC instructors, and I took an interview at uh, in Lagrange, Georgia. Didn't want to live there. I didn't want to be there. There's nothing there. I don't know. I would not have been happy there. I would have been trying to go to Atlanta, you know, you know, every chance I got. Yeah, but you know, it's a place to start. Right. You know, I had to do a couple of years, and then I can transfer somewhere else to another school. So. Um, I set up an interview there, uh, and she said, go look again, you know, so maybe maybe something else is there. Foley High School is there. Oh, yeah. I said, hey, you're from Foley. You know, my wife's from here. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I said, your high school, your high school job is, is open. She's like, what? I'm like, yeah. So I applied. Late. Um, there's no way I should have gotten that job. Oh, I found out about it so late. So you got the job? I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise. I don't want to ruin the story. <laughs> but I applied on the very last second, you know, the last minute, the last day, and I made this, made the cut. This is a very desirable location um, for instructors. People, you know, like to, like to come. I didn't know that either. Uh, yeah. You know, beach, the weather, you know. I mean, yeah. It's yeah. all good. Um, I a didn't know. A little slice of paradise. I had no idea. All right. I, I, I hadn't come here before. I didn't know. So I applied and I got in and that's just God moving things and um, there's no way. I, I didn't have, I wasn't really ready, um, but I got it all together. So I did the interview in Georgia. My heart really wasn't in it. Uh, I never got a call back. I think they knew it. Um, <laughs> you can tell people uh, yeah, sometimes. You can, you can. Cause that, that guy during the interview, he was trying to trip me up for things. Um, he was, he would say things repeatedly and I didn't like that. It's like, well, 
I don't want to work with you if you, this is how you operate. And so I just kind of ignored what he was saying. I finished the interview and I left. I said, well, if you want to start off being deceptive, I, I can't be in that environment. I, I just, it's not, not wouldn't be conducive for somebody like me. I, I just can't do it. So I came on, um, you know, to this, to do this interview. I set him up uh, back to back uh, the next day. So I was in, we spent the night in, in LaGrange. Um, then we came here and I set up the interview and I came in and talked to Mr. Moore. Had a very good conversation. Um, and uh, he hired me. Uh, I was the last interview. You know, he was, he was ready to make a decision and then my name popped up. Mm. Yep, got one more, you got an interview. You gotta so, save the best for last. I'm glad he did. Uh, I'm glad he did, uh, which is why I'm here. Uh, it's 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 a good spot for me. Um, you know, I, I I fancied myself teaching at my alma mater high school, um, but that job wasn't available uh, to 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 me. I think of anything so. coming to somewhere like Foley gave you a chance to really shine because. From my understanding, the ROTC program before you arrived at Foley wasn't exactly prestigious. Well, um, what it was, just maybe not uh, the, the recent few years. Because when you look on the wall, it's, it's, there's a lot of distinguished this and that um, coming through the years. It just something happened. You know, they didn't have the right people in place, or uh, the, the motivation wasn't there for whatever reason. Uh, it just didn't happen. Um, until you know, and I'm not the reason for it. Uh, I just do what I do. You played a huge part in it, Sergeant. What? Because I'm one of two. You know. Yeah. I, I'm half responsible, I guess, by default. This man's being very humble for y'all right now. I was in his program. This man's incredible instructor, incredible educator, and incredible man. <laughs> uh, see, and that's because I try. Mm-hmm. You know, in some aspects, I'm probably not very likable. But um, I, I try because of what, again, the feeling I had talking to my instructors and, um, you know, they paid attention and they, they helped me get to where I wanted to go. Uh, I wanted to be that for, you know, high schools now. Plus the, the issues that go on today with, you know, it's totally different than the way I grew up. Uh, Everything is just so much in your face and you just can't ever shut down or unplug. Um, so... There's a lot to, lot to do. Um, teaching is not my primary job. I don't feel it is. Um, kids don't take ROTC because they want to learn about weather, um, right. or, or rocketry. Uh, it's they want to join the family and establish relationships. I teach more outside of the curriculum. You know, I do my job. Don't get me wrong. And I, you I do teach very well at it. Um, and try to make it. Uh, relatable and palatable for for whoever's sitting there uh, trying to listen but more happens in the one-on-ones you know I yeah. have a lot of closed-door conversations yeah uh, that that I do most of my teaching I know me and you have quite a few we had a few <laughs> yeah we had a few um, but that's that's just kind of where it is and that that's where my heart is um, being 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 that social worker that that was taught to me by the Air Force as a first sergeant and actually started a master's in social work at uh, uh, Alabama but I had to stop because it was it was a lot internship I couldn't I couldn't do both I couldn't right. teach and do internships for 32 hours a week something had to give uh, 
but that's just a door closing because I guess I'm not meant to do that. Um, but you want to talk about fostering, right? Well, I, I figured we could slide it in if it was able. I mean, because yeah. you were trying to go to college and you're a family man and you have, you have a class at the high school. Yeah, I uh, I always liked the idea of, of, of getting a college degree. So uh, I guess I got to go backwards just a little bit. <clears throat> so when I, uh, you know, somebody probably would have the question in mind, whoever's listening to this, well, you could have been an officer, but just going to college and getting your degree and then you know, we have a lot of commissioning programs that I could have done yes that's true um, and I did start going to college uh, I did start you know working on my degree and you know when I got close uh, I had a decision to make because when I was running out of time I was I was getting too old for those commissioning programs and getting too much rank um, so I had to decide what I wanted to do uh, and I thought long and hard, but over my career, like who had the most impact? Was it an officer or enlisted? Well, it depends. You know, an officer, your commander, has pretty much full control over your life. They can do, what, you know, they can help you or hurt you with the stroke of a pen or with just a thought, you know, a decision they make. Mm. Uh, that's one kind. But that's impactful in that way. But I still have some control over that. Right. So when you see my name, when you look at it, you form an image because I worked to create that image so it's they rarely said no to me like I said uh, because I, I removed all those possibilities as much as I could so that wasn't I, I controlled that situation as much as I could so that wasn't really as big of an impact it was enlisted folks um, who made the most impact those senior non-commissioned officers you know chiefs you know um, so I decided I'm going to stay enlisted and again to my detriment the pay is great you know right. as an officer um, but I wouldn't make as much of a difference I don't think uh, I had a lot more influence so I continued um, I got I got uh, my associate in applied science and security management and I got a bachelor's in uh, security management um, then I went on and, and uh, got a master's in, um, oh, I got a, when I became a first sergeant, I got associates in human resource management. And then I got a master's in organizational leadership with a teacher leadership concentration because I thought I was going to do something different uh, in this career path, but I'll get to that in a minute. So I kept education at the forefront. So I have five college degrees now, and I was working on the sixth, but you know, that I just couldn't couldn't work it out because I, my priority is doing this job right now. Right. Um, I'm making a bigger impact helping kids right now. So the way, what led me into fostering is uh, a couple of years ago, maybe five, five years ago maybe, um, I had a kid get taken into foster care. Uh, you know, worst possible time in their lives. You know, something, something bad happens when you get taken into foster care. Um, so uh, it happened twice, not exactly the same time but two different instances where all they wanted to do was stay in as, as normal as they possibly could. I want to stay in school here. I want to keep my job. I want to keep my friends. I want to, um, but they couldn't because there were no foster homes open right. in Foley at the time. So they ended up going to Mobile and Daphne. Um, so it just broke my heart 
And uh, you know, I was like, what can I do about this? Um, I don't know how um, I can affect a quick change. And fostering didn't even wasn't even a thought to me until it was until they they said I'm going you know until foster home. I hadn't even thought about it. So uh, after the second second kid um, got taken in and taken away, I go home and I, uh, I talk to my wife and um, see you know this kid his mom died today and um, just tragedy you know he's just trying to keep his life as normal as possible. And she said we should do foster, and we hadn't talked about it before. Right. I, she didn't even know where I was going with this. So she was having the same thoughts already. Yeah. I was. Because we moved here. We bought a four-bedroom house. It was just two of us. It was ridiculous. Because <laughs> it was a good deal. We right. didn't need that much room. It was kind of stupid. Um, but it turned out to be a good thing. Because we filled those rooms up quick. Uh, so once we started, um, back in 2014, uh, for seven years, I don't even know how many kids have come come, and come through. Um but that's a whole nother, uh, another thing. Um, and I learned a lot, you know, even more, you know, as, as a child of trauma, you know, having a, some trauma in my childhood, I could relate to all these other kids. Yes. And I knew when to ask questions, you know, how to ask a good question, what to say, what not to say at the right time. Um, you know, each, each kid gave me more and more experience to, to figure out the best way to help if I was qualified to. Right. Sometimes, you know, some things uh, have limitations. Right. Um, but I do everything in my power to possibly, you know, keep them from t- going through it again and again and again. Uh, I've always, I, you know, I, I analyze things and I'm, I, I'm perceptive and I try not to do too much or too little. Uh, and it's, you know, there's a lot of success stories, and there's to some that are not uh, not as successful, um, but I think they will be because of you know what what we put into them. Um, well, yeah, I think you're you're. It seems like one of the core things that's formed your philosophy is something that happened to you in the first grade, mm-hmm. and that's before you became the worst version of yourself, yeah. before you became the best version. So maybe you're that first grade teacher to some of these kids to where, you know, you might not see it as a success story now, but 20 years from now, they'll be sitting in a studio apartment for a podcast telling people about, man, I had this foster parent and he's inspired everything I've done since then. I would hope so. Um, and again, I don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't seek glory. I don't, I don't need credit. I don't because I've already, I've already won. Right. It, whether you accept my help, whether you accept my love. You offered it. I offered it. And you, you don't have a choice. Right. I, I'm going to give it. It's up to you <laughs> to All take right. it or not. Uh, I've done my part. Um, I've done my duty. And I feel good about that. Because all is lost when I don't, if I don't try, you know, it, I, I don't, I can't, I can't sleep like that. Right. I have to try. I'm not going to beg you to let me help you. Forever. Right. But I'm going to try. Because trust me, there's somebody else around the corner that probably wants wants my attention, and I'm giving it to you right now. And as long as you you know, as long as you want it, you as long as you want to try, uh, I'll work with you. But as soon as you don't, uh, when you when you don't, and I, and I think we're done, I'm not gonna hound you because I'm not here to do that. 
I'm gonna beg you to like me. Um, but I always do uh, like to help. And some people, well, I'll figure it out on my own. Will you? Will you? Okay. I got this experience here. I'm willing to help. I mean you no harm. <laughs> you can take it or you can leave it. It's up to you. Uh, I hope people choose to make the right choice. You know, you got to be careful who you let uh, into your life, you know, with serious things. You know, a lot of people, uh, I want to talk to my friends. What do your friends know? Right. What, what, what experiences do they have that, that you... How can they actually help you? They, they can, you know? And, and sometimes, you know, being being a mandated reporter at school you tell you say certain things to me I, I can't keep it to myself right you know i have to do some reporting for some things there are not, legal causes for stuff like right. that not for everything but so some, some things, things we can talk about um that that don't meet the criteria let's let's work it out let's work together isn't it just like uh the guidelines for it? it's like if you think someone is going to harm themselves or others you have to share it or if you know that they're in a situation where they're in danger Yes, basically, yes. Self harm, self to harm, harm to others is is the big thing. But um, you know, if, if we, if they come and say I'm in an abusive situation, they got marks on them, right? You know, some kind of evidence like that. Yeah, I have to, I have to get the authorities involved. Yeah, DHR I have to go to DHR. You know, I have to report it. You don't take it to the social worker. Well, you can. I do, but I make the report. You as a teacher have to do that. But um. Other than that, you know, we, you know, let's talk. And if you know, I call parents if I think I need to, and you know, you know, safety plans, you know, work that out. But I always kind of try to let somebody know, um, even though if on the back end, like, hey, just in case, I don't know where this is going, um, but you might want to know this kind of thing, just just in an effort to help. You know, I'm not trying to, you know, put people on blast or anything. Just, just, just trying to help. Well, you do a great job of helping people. You did a great job of helping me while I was in high school. Uh, I just have one more question for you before we wrap things up. And it's really kind of personal. Okay. Uh, I was in your ROTC program. Uh, and I think we mentioned that already. But you actually chose me to be the officer for C Flight, the, the flight commander. What was your motivation behind picking me? So the reason I picked you is I felt... Well, I saw a lot of potential in you. You're 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 a bright guy. You're a smart guy. Um, but you were holding yourself back. Um, you weren't living up to your potential. So, I decided to give you responsibility to make you see what you're capable of. To make you see um, that whatever was going on around you was not didn't have to define you know, or limit you because we do that a lot. You know, we, we talk ourselves out of success more than other people outside of us um, based on our fears or limits we put on ourselves. You know, well, or well, my family doesn't do this kind of thing. My family never blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, it's a fallacy. Um, don't, don't, don't stop yourself from doing something because you talk yourself out of it, you know, by doubting yourself. Um, a lot of it is because um, they haven't seen any evidence otherwise. I've never, up close and personal, seen somebody who's successful in the thing that I wanted to do, so they just stuck. So they decided to shut down and not do anything. Um, 
and I don't know if that was a hundred percent your your situation. I did know we we did have conversations, um, so I knew some some things about you. But I wanted you to see um, how good you were. You know how how beneficial beneficial you would be to whatever it is. Um, you're a you're a natural leader, and that's what I saw in you, and I still believe that. I appreciate um, that a lot. So I wanted to just show you that. Um, and you know, and you took it. You took the opportunity. Oh yeah, I, just like you, man. I joined ROTC, and it was like after not doing so well in football and not really being a part of any other organizations. Because, like you said, I never really thought I was like, oh, I'm not a, I'm not a debate club type of person. I'm not a student council type of person. I'm not a this type of person. I'm not a that type of person. And I, I, I don't think I ever told you this, but I'm one of those kids that joined ROTC so that I wouldn't have to do PE. <laughs> well, that's a lot of kids like that. <laughs> but I ended, I stayed yeah. because once I walked through those doors, and even though I didn't really like putting on the uniform, and even though I didn't really, I, I eventually fell in love with it and got mad at people for not wearing it right. But even though it wasn't really everything I was looking for, it it does give a sense of family. It does make you feel like you're part of something bigger than yourself, and it does, like you did for me, give you a chance to succeed where maybe no one else would Mm -hmm. and i feel like a lot of kids could benefit from being in an rtc program whether or not they have plans for the military yeah and we don't push people to go in the military you know like exactly what you said is uh that that feeling is very portable you take it wherever you go and you can spread it to others spread it and use it because it it, it helps you work together as a team all right well Thank you for your time. Thank you for talking with me. Is there any, anything that you would like to inform people about or like a final word of wisdom you want to leave people with before we wrap things up? Well, final word of wisdom is, you know, what's what's driven me um, to talk about being successful. Um, find God's purpose for your life and work towards it. And you can't lose. You can't fail. All right. Well, once again, thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. All right. Everybody have a great day.